Thanks for listening to the Church at Severn Run Messages podcast. You can find more information about the church at severnrun.com. Enjoy the message. Pastor John will be leading us in the next few weeks called Full Capacity. And today, I kind of want to just set a small part of the stage uh, before he comes up and and sort of uh, contextualize where we are at this stage on the journey. Um, You remember at the beginning of the year, we talked about the the reality that, that God had laid on us uh, you know, our hearts, four priorities uh, for the church at Seven Run, four quadrants. And, and everything is just relationship because that's what God is about. Um, in Matthew 7, 7, he said to a bunch of religious people, depart from me, I never knew you, even though these people had done all kinds of amazing churchy things. But Jesus said, we never had relationship. I didn't know you. You were never vulnerable. You didn't let me in. And so everything really is just relationship. People aren't projects. Um, You know, it's just eternal friendships. I no longer call you servants, Jesus said, but friends. And so we are emphasizing um, holistic missions and making a a, a two to five year shift in the life of the church at Severan towards holistic missions. What is holistic missions? Well, it is us doing in our day what Jesus did in his. It is the reality that, that the Word, uh, John 1 says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, but that Word came to earth not as a disembodied voice. It put skin on. It came down to planet earth and, and, and had a name, and, and so it is with the incarnation of love, first in Christ, then in us, Christ in us, the hope of glory. So... Um, holistic missions is us being the hands and feet of Jesus, offering a, a healing touch and a saving truth just as Jesus did. And again, this is a, a shift that we've begun, um, and, and it's a shift that we're going to continue in the days to come. It's moving towards a problem or a need with what you have in hand. We, along this lines, um, uh, you know, became aware that we had uh, you know, a huge opioid problem in Anne County and in Baltimore. Well, the normal thing for us to do in church is to, to, to do nothing and maybe say that we're going to pray, but I wonder if we really even pray. Well, we decided not to do that. We decided to, to make a move in a, in a high-cost way, and so we bought a house in Curtis Bay, uh, Love Winds on Pennington, right next to our partners in the well and the Restoration uh, Church, and, and we are, have been completely rehabbing, gutting to the walls, you know, down to the framework, and then reframing this place to be a, a recovery house for up to 12 uh, amazing survivors uh, who will come and find a place of love there at, at, at that, that house. And so all of these quadrants require that an active love for Jesus translate into an active love for people. And all of these are going to be high cost, every one of them. Um, that house is paid for. Uh, God provided. We stepped out in faith. God provided, and, and it's paid for, and, and, you know, praise God for that. Amen? And in August, yeah, I mean, let's, let's praise God. 
And in August, we believe that we're going to have our, our first, uh, uh, they're not guests, this is home. We're going to have people moving into home, um, you know, in, in, in just, just a few weeks where we're praying. And then we talked about kids and students. Um, kids matter. They matter to us greatly and, 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 and they're a priority to us. And so you can see that if you walk through the building and walk down to that side of the building, you can see that this is a kid's area. It matters. We have dedicated this space to the kids and I've seen some of you adults playing with the games on the wall and that's okay. That's, that's awesome. But kids are precious. And Jesus said, unless we change and become like a child, we'll never enter the kingdom. So, so we're prioritizing kids and, and we're going to make high cost moves in kids and students. We want to double the staff that we have in there. Not so that we can just have double the staff, but so that they can become missionaries to reach not only kids who we have in church, but the ones that we don't, especially as we move to students. I mean, we have lost a generation. The generation that's coming on, we have absolutely lost. And, and it's like a frog in the kettle. It's happened so slowly, we don't even realize how far gone and how few kids actually have heard of Jesus Christ among the middle and high school population. I do not believe it's God's will for us as a church uh, to, to, to reach 30 to, to 33 students as we have for the last several years. We are called to do more. We're called to reach more. And we're going to make a high cost move in that area to do whatever it takes um, to, to catch up with the kids we have in the auditorium, um, you know, which would be at least five times that. And, and, and we're going to need to take a high, st- uh, high cost step of faith at some point and, and build a space for students that can be for them and, and recognized as their space and not just for the church kids, but for all the kids who aren't a part of, of the kingdom yet. Amen. And, and these, this is really, really important, and it's going to be high cost, and connect. Um, you know, it, it matters. It's just relationship. It's what heaven is full of and hell is devoid of is connection. And we're working hard on that, moving from being a friendly church to a church of friends, having eternal friendships. And, and so that's what the Atley House is about. Um, does it solve everything? No. Uh, but it is a small step towards deeper connection um, than, um, than, than we currently have. And, and, and I believe that, that God will, will bless it. All of these things are part of a pivot uh, uh, towards faith in, in the future in a new way. And Pastor John's going to be unpacking a little bit of that in, in a moment. But when I went on my first complex mission trip, um, we were down in, in the, the inner, uh, you know, uh, the depths of, of Brazil, and the missionary there said, you know, he said, you North Americans come down and you mess up a lot of things with your attitudes uh, on missions. And I'm going, okay, you got my attention. He said, um, you guys aren't going to cause any problems, are you? And I said, oh, no. And he said, because there's three rules for the mission work that we do here. Number one is be flexible. Number two is be flexible. And can you guess what number three was? Well, in that same vein, today, as we make this pivot, I, I want to uh, tell you that, um, that there's three rules for what we're going to do from here on in and, and what we're, we're you know, all about. It is faith first. That's, that's rule number one. Rule number two is faith first. And can anybody guess what the third is like unto the first and second? It is? You guys are brilliant. Faith first. 
Don't let anyone or anything come between you and your focused faith in Christ. It sounds so easy to do, but I promise you it is not. Faith first. Nothing coming between you and your faith in Jesus. And, and the reality is that, that here is the way that, um, that most, most of us live our lives. And we wonder why we struggle so much. You know, faith is going to be hard. Let me just tell you, anybody that's told you that faith is easy was either misinformed or lying. All right? Faith is a struggle. It is hard work. It's the hardest work of my life. And most of the time, here's how I do faith. This is, this is a low to, to no faith life. Um, and if you guys can put it up on the screen so everybody can see it there. Um, here we are over here and, and we're, we're looking towards Jesus and towards the cross, but, but we're looking through insecurity. We're looking through fear. We're looking through uh, health concerns. We're looking through ego. We're looking through the, the, the chains of the past, uh, anger. We're looking through finances, you know, the shame that, that we bear. Um, we're looking through all those things. And I'm, I'm being picky. If you can get it up on the screen by yourself, that'd be great. If you can't, don't worry about it. Why can't I see Jesus? Because I'm looking through so much stuff. And there's so much distance between me and Jesus. And so we wonder why, you know, faith is so hard because this is never the way God called it to be. The the reality is that a high faith, a normal life looks a little bit more like this. You know, here we are. And then then the, the, the closeness of the cross is right here. You know, we have a faith first life. It, it's, it's just Jesus. And, and I'm not going to let anyone or anything come between me and my focused faith on Jesus. And, and in this relationship, notice the proximity. Notice the closeness because it's just Jesus. I, I then I get to see God in life. And that's hope. That's power. That's that's. And, and I, I still, you know, have to deal with, with the realities of, of, of fear and, and shame and, and you know, uh, finances and, and health and all these other things. But they're, they're all under the lordship of God. I get to, to see God through my faith in Christ. And, and we don't do this well. We let other people come between. Somebody offends us and, and they're right here. Somebody uh, hurts us and, and now I, I'm having trouble seeing the cross because all I can see is, is that offense. Or again, health or, or anything else. All these barriers, none of those things are the plan of God. It is faith. What, wait a minute. It's what? Faith first. So I want to challenge you not to let anything or anyone ever again come between you and your focused faith in Jesus Christ. And for the rest of your life, something is going to try to get there. It, it may be uh, sexuality. It may be finances. It, again, it, it usually has something to do with people. But no, it's Jesus. And then I view all of those other things through the interpretive heart of Jesus Christ, the resurrected Son of God. This is faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, and without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him, first of all, must believe that he exists. Can I remind you, there really is a God. Really. 
He's there. And not only must we believe that he exists, but that he rewards those who seek him. That's what faith is. Seeking God through Christ. And every time we exercise faith and and we seek uh, the will of God through the Son of God, God rewards and blesses that. And I'm not talking about in a worldly way. I'm talking about in, in a relational way. The, the truth is that, that in our lives, we're going to do a lot of things and, and not all the things that we do will count. Galatians 5, 6b is a real clarifier telling us what really counts. There the scripture says the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. Next slide. That's it. That's all there is. The only thing that, that counts is faith expressing itself. Everything else, you know, so it's not faith expressing itself in, in taking, you know, um, self-righteous stands on a thing. Well, I'm supposed to stand here. No, you're supposed to love. Well, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to judge you for this. No, 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 no. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. And then one of my least favorite verses in all of the scripture is Romans 14, 23, which says um, that everything that does not come from faith is sin. So, so here's what I want to say. Christians have been disagreeing with one another for thousands of years, and, and I just want to say, it's okay. Don't get bent out of shape by, by it. Really. So lighten up, all y'all, and me. Um, Really, you know, you don't need to fight with your fellow Republicans or Democrats or, or your, your, you know, you, you, just, you just need to let everything be a flow out of your close proximity to Jesus. And out of your faith in him, everything you do is an act of faith. Everything you do. If you eat, in Romans 14, the the issue is meat offered to idols and stuff. If you eat it, eat it from faith. If you don't, then don't eat it from faith. But it has to be from faith because whatever is not of faith is sin. In uh, in Matthew 17, the disciples uh, couldn't cast out a demon uh, out of a child that was causing the child to roll into the fire and jump into the water, all kinds of self-harm. And and they were asking, why couldn't we do anything about this? And, And Jesus replied, it's because you have so little faith. Truly, I tell you, if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there and it will move. Now listen what a faith first life opens up to the believer. Not a life of overwhelmed and overcome. Not a life of scarcity and can't. A life of kingdom possibility because nothing will be impossible to you. Faith first. Don't let anyone or anything come between you and your focused faith in Jesus Christ. That is our journey. Pastor John is going to be coming and and introducing us an exciting series called Full Capacity. And I want to pray for that series and pray for us as we hear God speak. Father, in the name of Jesus, help us to live at full capacity. And not our capacity, but yours. Yours in us. Open our eyes and ears to hear you clearly in the, day, uh, the, the days and weeks to come. In Jesus' name, and all God's people say, amen. Amen. Well, you've already been challenged this morning, right? 
How many of you, as you've been sitting out here already, you've thought to yourself, hey, listen, um, that's exactly what I needed at this moment in my life. I've got places right now that I'm fearful of. I've got things that I'm scared of, and I know that I've got to take a step. I got to move forward in faith. How many of you, you've already heard the Spirit speak to you like that? That is, that is absolutely awesome. But I got to tell you what, I like being comfortable. Do I have anybody in here likes being comfortable with me? There we go. Now we've got some people being honest. Uh, here's the whole thing. I, in fact, well, you know, one of the reasons why I'm at the Church of Seven Run is I like being comfortable. I remember the first time that I drove up Telegraph Road. I was coming here to meet with Dr. Drew, and I was currently at that time, I was the pastor of the First Baptist Church of Essex on the eastern side of Baltimore County. I was coming here to meet him. I had never seen the campus before. And as I began to, run, to, 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 to drive up that long driveway, I thought to myself, wow. Because let me just tell you, the uh, campus of the First Baptist Church of Essex, well, it's not really a campus. In fact, the auditorium itself probably wasn't even as big as these two sections right here. And the rest of the building, yeah, not so big. The building had been built in the 1950s and nobody had touched anything since the 1950s. It was there for a long, long time. And I was driving up this driveway and I thought to myself, wow, now that's pretty. I like that a whole lot. And then you, and then you come in here, right? Well, first of all, you get to the driveway. I mean, how, how awesome is this asphalt pavement out here? If you've ever gone to a church without it, you know what I'm talking about. I mean, there's no potholes that I'm aware of right now out there. And if there are, let me know because Gwen will get that filled by the next service. Okay, there's none out there. I mean, it's a great parking lot. Then you get done with that parking lot. You come in here and you find these nice cushy seats. How many of you are comfortable right now, aren't you? You're comfortable? Do this for me. Just bounce up and down in the seat just a little bit. I see some of you not doing it. I'm not stopping until I see you bouncing. Bounce up and down. Come on. What's even better is I just got you to do that. <laughs> nice and comfy. Not only that, here's the whole thing. If we, got this, we got this thing called AC. Do you feel it? Some of you are like, too much? Hey, listen, we like it cold. It keeps you from going to sleep, Okay. Here's the whole thing. Like this AC, this AC is specially designed just for you. It was made in just such a way. You know how you hear the AC kick on on a lot of places and there's this big boom sound? Well, they paid a little extra to make sure there wasn't that big boom sound so you wouldn't be distracted on a Sunday morning. You think I'm kidding. It's a true story. Now, I don't know if it works all the time, but here's the whole thing. Like, I mean, this is a comfortable place. I love it. I'm going to let you in on a little secret. I came here. I'm comfortable. I got the biggest office. It's true. I'm pretty sure it's the biggest. But I will say this, it, but it doesn't have a window like Dr. Drew's. Dr. Drew's has got a window. Uh, I'm comfortable. I love being comfortable. Comfortable is good. But can I tell you, that's not the reason why. 21 years ago, a group of people decided to do this. Not so that we could sit here and be comfortable. 21 years ago, a young pastor then came and he looked at 200 people 
sitting in a building that was right down the street that, fought, that fell into that same category as I was telling you a little bit ago that, uh, that I was pastoring at the First Baptist Church of Essex. In a building, quite frankly, that was in a whole lot worse shape than what I was pastoring. A building that was dilapidated, a building that nobody had like really cared about in some time. And a pastor came there and he looked at those 200 people and he said, hey, listen, we can't stay here. God has got more for us than this. And there is no way that in sitting in this community that we're going to be able to convince a people, a bunch of people that aren't following Jesus to come here and follow Jesus like this. If it's for Jesus, it should be better. And so therefore, we should do things better. And a vision was cast, a vision that you and I are having the opportunity to be able to sit in today. Back in those days, back in those days, there were 187 pages of constitution and bylaws. Folks, that's a lot of rules. There were more committees in the church than there were people in the church. That's a lot of committees. And we said, hey, listen, we're never going to get anything done like that. So this pastor with this vision began to say, it can be different. It should be different. We've got to move. We've got to do something crazy. We've got to have some crazy faith and move forward. And so he convinced those 200 people to leave the comfort of what they were in and, and go mobile where they would have to like set up and tear down every week. Why? So that they could reach new people. And over the course of, of years and some growth, they saw a vision for this place and were able to buy this place when nobody else could buy it. God gave it to them. And here's the craziest part. 200 people, 200 people took on an $8 million project. They sold the old building for $2 million and I still, my mind is boggled. I'm the executive pastor here. I'm the, number, I'm the numbers guy. And my mind is boggled at the banker that decided that they were willing to give $6 million to 200 people. That was not good math on the bank's part, but you know what? It was God's math. And 200 people made this vision a reality. I got a question. Who was part of that 200? Would you seriously raise your hand if you were there? Look around, folks. Look around. That man's crazy faith and those folks' crazy faith are why you're sitting there bouncing up in a comfortable seat. It's pretty amazing stuff, isn't it? But they didn't do it so that you'd be comfortable. That wasn't the point. The point was to open up opportunity to be able to reach more people. And I got here when things were comfortable. I got here and got the nice office and got to enjoy the good air conditioning. And man, I was excited about what it was that God could continue to do here. And in my mind, I had all of this, like, these, these, these crazy dreams of, man, we're going to build more buildings and we're going to have more seats and we're going to do more stuff and, and there'll be more people to speak to. And, and I'll just be straightforward with you. My ego was on overdrive. Because that's what we do, isn't it? Like, let's just do more. Let's get more. Let's have more. At least that's what I did. And every time that I would like kind of push for this more. In fact, some of the toughest conversations I had earlier on when my pastor was like, pastor, I want more. I want, I want what's next. 
And he was like, John, let's wait and see what God has. Patience isn't my greatest skill. Unlike you, I'm sure. I wanted more. He said, well, let's just wait and see what, let's, let's wait and see what God does. Let's wait and see what he has. I kept driving. God finally said, hey, listen, I'm gonna teach you a little patience. So you stuck me in this little place called rehab. That'll teach you some patience. And then when I got out of rehab, I sat down with my pastor over at, at uh, Chili's in the mall. You know, I'm not Chevy's in the mall. You know what I'm talking about. There we go. We got one fan. <laughs> we sat down at Chevy's in the mall and uh, I had just been a few weeks out of rehab and Dr. Drew was just a few weeks back from Costa Rica. And he said, John, he goes, I got to tell you about some stuff I've seen down there. He said, God, God has done something in my heart. And I could tell while I was sitting across that table that I was looking at him that I, I, something had clicked. Something was different in my pastor's eyes. When I had talked about more and all of those types of things before, I had never seen the glimmer that I was able to see at that moment. I could see a glimmer in his eyes as he started talking about Costa Rica, as he started talking about what God was doing down there and the teachings of this one particular pastor named Pastor Alberto. He said, John, this guy teaches the Bible in such a way. He's the best teacher I've ever had. That's saying, so, that's saying something coming from a PhD. He said, this is the, he's the best teacher I've ever seen in any seminary I've ever been at, John. This guy has changed my perspective on scripture. Wow. And he said, this is the new future of the church at Seven Run. This is where God is taking us. John, the first time was the, the, the first reformation, so to speak, of where we went from being that church down the road to what we get to enjoy today. But this is where God wants to take the church in the future. He wants us to become the hands and the feet of Jesus in our community. He doesn't want us to just sit there and be comfortable. He wants to use some of that bounce in the chair to bounce us up and get us moving out of here. He wants us to find opportunities where people are hurting and suffering and he wants us to go and to do something about it. And I thought to myself, this sounds pretty similar to some of the stuff that I heard in, 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 Costa, in, in the Dominican Republic. I was talking to Pastor Raphael down there one day and I said, Pastor Raphael, I said, man, you've got this great, you've got this great ministry for, for homeless people. They're coming in eating every single day. I said, how did you come up with this great idea? He said, well, John, I'll tell you. He said, we were, going in, we were going down every Sunday morning. I was unlocking the church building, and there was this one homeless guy that was sitting right in front of the church door. And I was just stepping over him, literally stepping over him to open up the building. And I thought to myself one day, maybe we should do something about that. Oh, ding, 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 ding. And I was thinking, is that what Dr. Drew's talking about? Sure enough. Looking for opportunity of hurting people and doing something about it. That simple. And so one of the first discussions that we began to have was this discussion of the fact that there's this opioid crisis in our country, but it has come to roost in a serious way right here in Anne Arundel County. In fact, please take the time, anytime you drive by one of our police stations, it'll show you exactly how many people have overdosed already this year and how many people have died as a result of that overdose. That number, I see it every Sunday morning when I drive by, that number goes up every week. 
Dr. Drew stood on the stage and said, maybe we should do something about that church. We had no clue what we were supposed to do about that yet. And then all of a sudden, we saw a need, and all of a sudden, this guy comes to us one day and says, hey, listen, I got this house that's for sale down in Curtis Bay. We said, well, that's interesting, because we've got this ministry partner with women down in Curtis Bay that work with ladies in recovery. We said, where's the house? The house is right down the road, like literally a couple blocks away. So they got this house. I need to get rid of it. It's an old, big, huge mansion. We said, let's take a look. We went and saw this house, and we looked, and we said, okay, how much you want? Told us how much you wanted. We thought, well, you know, we've got, we've got that much money already available to us for missions, like more th- than enough to cover buying this house. So you know what we did? We bought the house. The craziest thing is at that point, we didn't really even have the money to do anything with the house quite yet. Dr. Drew got up here, he told you about buying a house and somebody in the church looked and said, you know what, I wanna do something about it. We had one couple that gave an unbelievably significant gift just because we mentioned the house. You know what, when you step out to see opportunity and you decide to do something about it, Jesus shows up. When you decide to be uncomfortable for a moment, faith will fill in the rest of the gaps. You don't have to have all the answers. And so sure enough, sure enough, the love wins house. We don't owe a dime on that house. Praise God. We've still got some work to do, but you know what? Right now the money is there. We're going to continue to furnish it, and we would appreciate your gifts for that. But here's the thing, folks. Listen. He'll show up every step of the way. All we got to do is be willing to take the step and get uncomfortable. And then we were having this conversation because you heard Dr. Drew say just a little bit earlier that, hey, listen, he's, one of the things he's told me at Chevy's, he said, John, this is going to be a three to five year transition for the church that's ever run. Going from what we used to want to be to what it is that God's calling us to be in terms of holistic ministry. He said, it's going to take some while for people to, be a, to adjust. Well, guess what? We're about two years into that since that conversation. And just this last year, I was having a conversation with Dr. Drew. I said, Dr. Drew, I said, I said, you know, when it's all said and done, I said, you know, only some of our staff have even seen what we're talking about. I said, we're really going to get everybody on board. Like our staff has got to be able to see this. So this year in 2019, we took all the monies that we would normally take to be able to go and, 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 and go to Chicago to a, to a conference, church conference and other church conferences that different teams go to. And we compiled all that money together. And we said, you know what? We're going to take our staff to Costa Rica. We want them to experience Pastor Alberto and his teaching and what the missions is all about. And so we took our entire staff down there this last March and while we were down there, we were doing a tour of another church and, and we were walking through this great, beautiful, amazing retreat center. It's a little tiny church. It's got this awesome retreat center in Costa Rica. And as we're walking through this, they're telling us about all the different things that they use this for. Churches from around the country come and, and are a part of it. And Dr. Drew looks at me and he says, John, he said, you know what the number one problem that has been at Severn Run ever since I've gotten there? He said, the one thing that we've never found the code to really be able to crack it, I'd heard him say it before. He said, it's loneliness. He said, it's loneliness. And you know what, him saying that, it's true. 
Can I tell you that even as the executive pastor of the church of Severn Run, I've experienced more than my fair share of loneliness. And most of us, loneliness is so deep inside of our souls, we don't even know it. You know why we don't know it? Because we're so busy that we've deceived ourselves into thinking that we've got authentic relationships. We just stay busy. Rather than take the time to sit down with people and have long conversations, deep soul-searching times together. Dr. Drew looked at me while we were down in Costa Rica. He said, John, wouldn't it be cool if we had a place like this where, like, where people could come and like, spend a night together and like, get to know each other? And I started thinking, you know, uh, the people that I know at the Church of Seven Run, the people here that I know, that I really know, you know what? I've been on a trip with you. Seriously. Some of you are like, I wish I could get it back. I've been, on, I've been to Ethiopia with you or the Dominican with you. I've been somewhere with you. I've been to a baseball game with you. I've been somewhere with you. And as a result, I have a relationship with you. That's where we get to know people, isn't it? And he said, John, maybe, wouldn't something like this be cool? I thought, yeah, it'd be cool. And that was it. That was all we thought about it. We didn't come back here with a plan to get a retreat center. It was just a cool idea. It's amazing. Cool ideas come from Jesus. I'm just saying. We got back here and... Uh, a few weeks had gone by and Dr. Drew was kind of like, hey, have you, uh, ha- have you seen these pictures of this house? I'm like, no. He's like showing me these pictures. He's like, isn't this a great house? He goes, it used to be a bed and breakfast. And it turns out that a couple of our staff members had actually looked at the house themselves in New Windsor. I don't know what they're thinking. I'm going to have to have a conversation with them this next week. But they had looked at this house themselves and we're thinking about purchasing it. And then they were showing Dr. Drew and then it turns out they weren't going to purchase it because it was way too far away and this and that and the other. And Dr. Drew's showing me these pictures. He said, John, wouldn't this make a great retreat center? And we looked at it and we said, yeah, but the price is like so low. There's got to be something wrong with it. You've been there, right? So we decided to go look with it. We took experts with us to go look at it. There wasn't nothing wrong with it. And we thought, Wow, couldn't God do something amazing with this place if we had a spot to where our people could go and their loneliness could be healed? Wouldn't that be amazing? And folks, this is just the beginning. I don't know what else that God's got next. All I know is that this what I'm watching happen in the life of the church of Severn Run is pretty amazing stuff. What I'm happening watching the life of the church of Severn Run mirrors a story that's really been told over and over through the ages. Because I don't know if you recognize this or not, but God's word, the Bible, is filled with stories. And they're not just for, for, for ancient times. They're not just good little you know, uh, myths that somehow give us some perspective on life. No, these stories retell themselves. They te- retell themselves in our own life if we're paying attention. Now, there's a story in Scripture that I think is replaying itself, honestly, right here in the life of the church of Severn Run. You see this young guy shows up one day, and he says, you see all these slaves? It's time to let them go. We need to get them out of here. God's got more for them than this. This is not where they're supposed to stay. We need to get them moving. All kinds of crazy miracles happen. And before long, these folks are moving 
They're coming out of the land of Egypt and they're finding themselves in the wilderness. But let me just go ahead and tell you, oftentimes we think, oh, the wilderness is such a bad place. Um, No, the wilderness is a place you can get pretty comfortable. Especially when you don't have to do anything with food. The food is just kind of showing up every day, right? They're able to make this bread into cakes. They're, they're having a good old time out there. And, uh, and about a year goes by, a couple of times they start saying, ah, oh, we don't have any meat. We used to have meat back in Egypt. Somebody get us some meat. And so God's like, look, I'm tired of the complaining. And so quail start showing up. More quail than they know what to do with. So now they got meat. Now they got manna. And it's just easy to get comfortable in all of that. The wilderness is a good place to find some cushy chairs and just camp out and say, I'm done. But a year goes by and and Moses looks at 12 guys and he says, hey, you know, I don't think God wants us to stay here. I think he wants us to go over there. And so would you guys go check it out? And as the story goes, you can kind of see in your mind, if you're picturing it, these guys coming across back across the Jordan River that night. And they're tired and they're coming up to Moses and they're like all, you know, hey, Moses, hey, we've, it's crazy over there. You know, I got to tell you what, there are some big old grapes. I think we bought, I think we brought some of the grapes. Look at those grapes. Those grapes are big grapes. And they got a lot of honey, man, tons of honey. Put a little of that honey in them manna cakes. That'll make for a good breakfast. But meanwhile, then there's, you know, a couple of them like, but yeah, you know what else they got over there, Moses? They got them giants. Those are some big people over there too. That's why the grapes grow so big. (laughs) Got to feed them big people. I don't think we can take them. In fact, I'm a little scared. They got the Hittites and the Malachites and all kinds of other mites. It's bad. I, I I don't think we can do it. And right there at that moment, right, a choice gets made. A choice gets made. You got two guys saying, we can do this. And we got the crowd saying, no, we can't. (laughs) It's too scary. There's too much fear involved. The question is, what's the difference between the two guys and the other 10? Look in Numbers chapter 14, verse 24. Caleb was one of the two guys. Joshua was the other one. But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. Did you hear that? But my servant Caleb has a different attitude than the others have. Do you hear that? Twelve of them went over. They all saw the same thing. Everybody saw the honey. Everybody saw the grapes. Everybody saw the giants. They all saw the same thing, but two of them came back with a different attitude. Two of them came back believing that God could do what God said he was going to do. Ten of them didn't. I want you to look at what the results are. God says he has remained loyal to me, so I will bring him into the land that he explored. And his descendants will possess their full share of that land. Nobody else but Joshua and his family 
and Caleb and his family made it to the promised land. Everybody else got stuck in the comfy chairs of the wilderness. That's where life ended. There was more that God had for them. The difference in all of our lives, whether it's something that you're personally having to decide upon today or whether it's the next steps for the church at Severn Run, the difference, honestly, is between fear and full capacity faith. Do I believe that God's big enough or am I just scared? And I don't know what to tell you. I don't know what to tell you except for this, that I can only tell you what I've seen. A couple weeks ago, had the opportunity to go to the Atley house. First time, we were walking through there and something kind of happened to me, like it was different. I was walking through the Atley house and, and, and seeing it and as we were walking into the kitchen area where there was a lot of dining room tables and chairs, I could just kind of see the room come alive. I could see people sitting around the tables. I could see a big whiteboard up there. Staff knows how much I love a whiteboard. I can see a big whiteboard up there and some great drawings taking place. Some great drawings taking place. I forgot he's here. Uh, I can see people's faith like taking shape. As we walked through the living room, like seriously, I could see a couch sitting there and I could see two people late at night sitting there on that couch having one of those conversations. You know those conversations you can only have late at night because you're so tired, all your walls are down. It's time to get real. It's time to get honest. And that person looks at the other person and says that thing to them that they've been waiting to hear all their life that finally unlocks all the potential that God's put inside of them. I can see that conversation happening. And the craziest part is I was right back there last week while Dr. Drew was up here telling you guys about this house. And while I was back there, I was looking up here at this stage and I was thinking, I know how this goes down. I know how it goes down. We have the faith, God, we have the faith to take this step. We're only weeks away from the first time that our students are gonna go up there and have a retreat. And then Jacob and Susie are gonna be standing on this stage one Sunday morning. And they're gonna be talking about how they gave their life to Jesus at the Atley house. And then we're all going to be like, yeah, that was a good idea. Folks, I'm, this isn't that part where I'm like trying to like work into your emotional life. I'm not trying to manipulate you in anything. I'm legitimately standing before you this morning telling you what I've seen. That's all I've got. All I know personally is that this is just the beginning. If this is a struggle for you, hold on. Because <laughs> what God's got is so much more than even this. We're going further and farther faster than we've ever gone before. This is just a step. But meanwhile, all I know is what I've seen. All I know is that I'm done. Personally, I'm done with ever wanting to be comfortable again.
In Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed today's message, feel free to share it with your friends. As we like to say, love well, live Jesus, and believe big.